You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hi, this is Jim. And this is Bax. Check out our podcast, The Step Over, Liberty Ballers Podcast Network, for all of your Sixers' needs. Player analysis, game breakdowns, who would look coolest in a headband, and more. Subscribe to Liberty Ballers podcast feed on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts, and check out The Step Over, a podcast about Sixers basketball. Mostly. And welcome back to BGN Radio. This is episode number 23. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. I'm John Stolness from BleedingGreenNation.com. You can follow me on Twitter at John Stolness, and we're recording this on Thanksgiving night. Uh, so I hope everybody enjoyed their Thanksgiving meal, uh, whether you were with family or uh, with friends. Hope it was a wonderful time for you and that you got to watch some football, uh, have some turkey or whatever it is. Because a lot of anti-turkey takes I'm seeing on Twitter this year for some reason, which is mind-boggling to me. But anyway, maybe we'll get into all that here coming up in the next few minutes as we do our Eagles-Giants preview for this Sunday afternoon. And joining me as he does every week to break down the coming week's opponent is the man, the myth, the legend, the brains behind the operation. May he reign forever. Brandon Lee Galton from BleedingGreenNation.com. BLG, how you doing, buddy? John, always good to be here with you. Not always good to be talking about the Eagles. Unfortunately, however, you know, every time we do a podcast now, John, it just keeps getting darker and darker because there. Can we talk about something else? Do we have permission? Like, could we could we talk about we, food? We can all, talk about Phillies. This can be just like yeah. a good fight episode right here. There you go. Yeah, we're uh, hitting season, <laughs> so uh, yeah. but but not actually. Unfortunately, we no. do we do have to talk about the Eagles. I had a good Thanksgiving personally. Uh, you know, some good Thanksgiving food. I am on the record, of course. Long listeners know that Thanksgiving food to me is overrated as a food, and I think wow. we can do better. And I post. A picture of pizza. I didn't actually eat that pizza today, but I I posted a picture of pizza (laughs) and I said it was the the best Thanksgiving dish just to make everyone mad. And then, yeah, thankfully, everyone did get mad. So I win in that regard. But uh, how about you, John? How's your Thanksgiving going? My Thanksgiving was good, although we had a late dinner and we and we do the turkey thing and the mashed potatoes thing. And I'm a big stuffing guy. And we had a a, a squash souffle that actually turned out really well. Yeah, it was pretty good. But uh, we didn't eat until about six o'clock, which oh, that's is late. Ins- it's insanely late. And, and normally I, we were aiming for five, but sometimes when stuff doesn't work the way you plan, the turkey just takes longer than you ever envisioned. And we were we were uh, we were roasting the turkey in the big green egg. Do you know what those are? Yes. It's like a okay. So we were roasting the turkey in the big green egg, and we thought it would be done by about five o'clock, but instead. It was about 6 o'clock before we really even got the thing sliced and 6.15 by the time we all sat down. And, you know, I've got three little guys. So it was great. They, you know, we all had it. It was a really nice spread. And uh, my three boys, uh, my wife and I were at my, at my uh, in-law's house. And um, it was it was a really nice Thanksgiving. So um, thanks for asking. And again, I hope 
Everybody else had a good Thanksgiving, too. By the way, I didn't mention, follow Brandon on Twitter, at Brandon Gowton. Um, we are going to get into our favorite Thanksgiving Day games of all time. And, uh, you know, the Eagles have played a bunch of Thanksgiving Day games. They had a, a, a bunch early uh, in the 1980s. Uh, I think they had a couple. And now they've played a bunch recently, too. And so there's some good memories to be had from the Eagles playing on Thanksgiving Day. BLG, let me start with you. What's your best Eagles Thanksgiving Day memory? Well, it sure wasn't when they got the crap kicked out of them by the Lions <laughs> a couple of years ago. That was so awful. That was so depressing. That was a bad one. Uh, that, was the, that was the game we all realized Chip Kelly was going to get fired at the end of the season. Pretty much. Yeah, that was coming yeah. off of that Buccaneers loss, which was already so bad. And then it just went into Detroit and just got steamrolled. And man, I just, I can clearly remember what I did after that game. Like, I think I just did very basic post-game coverage at Bleeding Green Nation, and then I just went to Wawa, and I basically just ordered everything on the menu immediately. I was like, <laughs> I can't do this. Like, I, I just have to emotionally – I already had Thanksgiving food, but like it was late at night, and I was just like, I need to eat more. So, uh certainly wasn't that one. But for me, it has to be the 2014 game against the Cowboys, which was – which was really big at the time. And I think, honestly, oh, yeah. that was kind of the beginning of the end of the Chip Kelly era in the sense of, like, that was when it peaked. Mm-hmm. That was such a great win. We all thought they were going to go to the playoffs. You know, a really legitimate win over the Cowboys in Dallas there. It was great. Uh, you know, the Cowboys were getting so much hype going into that one. Like, they the best offensive line in NFL history. That's when that started. And the Eagles' defense went in there. The defensive line specifically I remember after the game, Benny Logan had talked about how they called themselves the nobodies, you know, because nobody knew who the, the like Fletcher Cox and Benny Logan and Cedric Thornton were like, they weren't getting all that hype, but they had just pretty much uh, demolished that Cowboys offensive line that was getting all the hype. So I really liked that one. Uh, that was really fun. I think it was Mark Sanchez too, right? Who was the quarterback for that game, which is crazy. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. Looking back on it. It was, right? Yeah, it was 2014. I think, I think so. it had to be. Yeah. So I remember that just being really fun. Like that night, obviously things didn't go so well after that, but that was really enjoyable. Yeah, the Eagles collapsed after that and didn't make the playoffs, even though I think they went, did they go 10 and 6 yep. that year and yep. failed to make the playoffs? Because they lost. I remember I was at the Washington game uh, where they where they couldn't do anything offensively, oh. in, you know, in D.C. And Saturday night was, game. Yeah, I remember. Yes. That. Yeah, it was brutal. I was that was absolutely brutal. And um, but yeah, that Thanksgiving Day game was great. My favorite all time Thanksgiving Day game. I go back a little bit further was 1989, the Bounty Bowl. And I remember this like it was yesterday. The Eagles uh, the Eagles shut out the Cowboys 27 uh, nothing. This was during that one in 15 Cowboys season. Jimmy Johnson's first season with the team Troy Aikman's rookie season and that was the game that Johnson alleged that Buddy Ryan had taken out a bounty on Troy Aikman <laughs> and former Eagles kicker Luis Zendejas Ryan of course denied it after the game you know he was saying like you know why would we put a bounty on Zendejas he stinks right now which I mean it was kind of funny and not we don't really ever know whether or not Ryan actually had a bounty on these players or not uh, I think it was in 2014 Johnson joked that Ryan put up the bounty offer of a hundred dollars on those players for the Eagles to just stay interested in the game because Dallas was so terrible. But you know that to me was just, it, there were huge fights and brawls in that game. I remember there was a bench clearer after I want, there was some kind of, some kind of defensive play where it got really rough and uh, the Eagles were on defense and it just ended up in a brawl in the end zone. Um, this was at the height of Buddy Ryan, Buddy Ryan's. I mean, this was the, these are the games that made Buddy Ryan what he is in the, in this city, why he's forever loved in this city, where these 
these wars against the Cowboys. And this was really the first time in anyone's memory that the Eagles were the dominant team and the Cowboys were the also-rans. And that would quickly change, obviously, because Jimmy Johnson and the Cowboys were bad for one year, and then they quickly got their, got themselves together over the next few years after that. But uh, that, to me, was that was my favorite Thanksgiving Day game of all time. Shutting out the Cowboys in Dallas, you know, get, get the Cowboys coach crying about the game afterwards. Man, that's a good Thanksgiving Day. That's a good Thanksgiving Day game, man. I feel like we need more of that. I mean, it's obviously not going to happen in yeah. today's NFL, but you just, you know, you wish the rivalry was there. Uh, to that extent. And speaking of the Cowboys, John, they, mm. they played today. They Yeah, we're going to get into this. Yep. They played today, and, and I mean, it's weird. I'm going to say, unfortunately, they won because I think that's always how you should pretty much say uh, when you talk about the Cowboys winning. It's it's an it's, it's unfortunate thing. But like in this weird situation that the Eagles find themselves in now with, uh, you know, they're still alive in the NFC East and with Washington, you know, obviously being ahead of Dallas and the Eagles and everyone else heading into this Thursday Thanksgiving game, you know, now it's tied up at six and five uh, apiece, yep. and the Eagles are still alive. I almost hate to hear it. I actually no, I know I do just, hate to hear it because like you just want them to be out of their misery, you know, they're not if, alive. It's not going to happen. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> how is a team that you know, with, with all due respect to uh, you know um, Ben Ben Livingston from WIP. Uh, who's a very nice man and does a great job. But he, he posted a tweet this week that was like, you know, I think it's realistic. You know, he, he he laid out like the path that the Eagles have to go through here to make the playoffs, which we can get into in a little bit here. But like, yeah. how can you say it's realistic if there are there's a stretch in there where the Eagles have to win three games in a row and they haven't won back-to-back games all year? Like, how realistic right. is that? I'm not saying right. that it's impossible, but like, what are you putting the chances of that happening at this point? <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 yeah, It can't be very high. I mean, it no. just can't be. So uh, how are you feeling, John? It's unlikely for sure. And I, I just don't see, unless this secondary gets very healthy soon, how it can happen. But here's the path. The four and six Eagles could be tied in first place, for, uh, could be tied for first place in 11 days if they beat the Giants on Sunday. Mm-hmm. And then the Cowboys get the Saints next Thursday night. So mm. it's certainly more than likely that they're going to lose to the Saints. And if the Eagles beat the Redskins on Monday Night Football on December 3rd, everybody's tied. Mm. And so it really is just in under two weeks, in two games, if the Eagles win two in a row against the Giants, who, let's face it, still aren't very good. The Giants didn't get a whole lot better during this Eagles tumble. I mean, the Giants are mar- maybe marginally better as they figure out some additional things to do with Saquon Barley, but not Sa- Saquon Barkley, but not much better, if at all. And so, yes, the Eagles have stumbled these last two weeks in a Big, big way, but I don't think the Giants have gotten a lot better. The Eagles can beat the Giants on Sunday, and we're going to get into that game in just a couple minutes. I think the Cowboys are going to lose to the Saints next Thursday night, and I watched Colt McCoy play today, BLG. I don't see a guy there who really anybody should have any confidence in Washington that that he can lead that team to a winning record over these last few weeks. I, I think the Redskins probably are better than the Eagles right now, even with Colt McCoy at quarterback, but I don't know if it's by a lot. You know, and so there, there is a path. There is a path in front of the Eagles, and it's not a crazy path, only because this division is dirt right now, man. Yeah, and the key thing there is the Eagles do control their destiny. Like, just, right. just take care right. of business, and you can be here. Um, now, you look at what the Eagles would be. At. I mean, that would, first of all, that would be a huge game. If it's Eagles, Cowboys, Week 14, they're both 6-6 six and six at that point. Um, yeah. Huge game. And let's just say the Eagles win. Uh, I, I don't know if they will, 
I'm not saying <laughs> they have a lot of confidence in that, but I'm just saying let's just pretend they do. So they would be seven six at that point, and the Cowboys would be six and seven heading into week 15. At that point, the Eagles still have to play the Rams and then the Texans, so that could be tough. Uh, but they do get Washington in week 17. So even mm-hmm. if the Eagles go one and two there, the Cowboys could still do, do two and one. They have at the Colts, home against the Buccaneers, who are very bad. Uh, but I don't know. Jameis Winston looked good against the Giants, so who knows. And then at the Giants in week 17. Um, so even I think the Cowboys, you know, you could realistically say they probably might go two and one there. Uh, possibly even 3-0, which would be bad. They but, could win all those games. Yeah, right. But let's say just 2-1. and one. Well, at that point, the Eagles would still have the tiebreaker. So my point there being like the Eagles don't even have to get super hot after uh, beating the Cowboys if they could do that somehow in week 14. They just kind of have to get that one last division win in week 17 and they could mm-hmm. potentially win the NFC East at 8-8, eight and eight, which wouldn't be you know like the most impressive thing ever. But hey, uh, I'm sure they would take it at that point. And of course, well, uh, no, go ahead, John. I was going to say, yeah, they finish 8-8, eight and eight, but you're, you're at 4-6. and six. That's a nice way to finish the season. Right. You know? yeah. and, it's not bad and, by and, any means, but it's just like, right. you know, it's you know they're going to go into the playoffs. They're going to get whipped probably, most likely, uh, if not in the first round, certainly by who, you know, like the Rams or the Saints or whoever they would right. play if they somehow won yeah. the playoff game. But um, And then just kind of looking at how Washington fits in there because they're, yes, you know, Colt McCoy clearly stinks. But, I mean, they're still 6-5, and five, so they're certainly in the mix here. Um. They have at, obviously, the Eagles coming up for this Monday night football game, which is a huge game. Then they play home against the Giants. Then they play two road games against AFC South teams. So uh, They're at Jacksonville and at the Titans. So that could easily, I think they're 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 probably potentially losing at least one of those three between the yeah, Giants, those are tricky. Jaguars, and Titans. And then they play the Eagles at home in their season finale there. So if the Eagles beat them twice... Uh, I think they pretty much need Washington to just drop one of those Giants, ja- uh, Jaguars, and Titans games because then that would ensure that they can't get to uh, nine wins there. So that, that's looking pretty possible if Colt McCoy yeah. continues to struggle here. So uh, it's all there. It's all there for them. I don't have a lot of confidence that they're going to be able to do it, but it's there. They, the, yeah. the window of opportunity is there. It's just a matter of if they can seize it, and I wouldn't count on it right now, but we'll see. No, it's insane that at four and six they control their own destiny to make the postseason still at this point. I mean, that's lunacy. But that's what we have in front of us right now. And that's why a couple weeks ago I talked about the 2016 because they were five and six and didn't appear to have any chance whatsoever. They had started off the season four and one. So they had actually won back to back games early in the season, but then went on a long losing streak. They lost Donovan McNabb. It didn't. Looked like they had a chance. They had three straight road games against divisional opponents. They had the uh, they had the Giants, Redskins, and Cowboys back to back to back, all on the road, and won all three of those games when it didn't look like they were they had any chance at all. They were dead in the water then too. So that's the only reason why I remembered 2006 is because they had that run of divisional games at the end of the season where they actually still controlled their own destiny. That's what's facing this team in front of them. They have they have their fate in front of them, and they they have their franchise quarterback who's still healthy. Uh, they they have an offense, BLG, which we'll get into in a few minutes, that you would think should be able to score. But I, you know, I just I, it, it's it hasn't happened for. And you and Michael Kiss did a great BGN radio uh, a couple days ago talking about the state of the team right now. How it doesn't seem like the coaching staff has any idea what they're doing. Mike Rowe is obviously under fire. Hard to see how he comes back next year after his Golden Tate comments. 
and you just wonder where this where this football team is right now heading into this game against the Giants because you've got the you you've got the Redskins who with Colt McCoy out. I don't know if you saw the the Adrian Peterson interview that he did this week where mm. he mentioned once again <laughs> that he is using corporal oh, punishment God. on his son with a belt and a switch. The exact thing he got suspended for the season for four years ago or th- yeah, it's four years ago. Yeah. I mean. I, and so I haven't heard anything about the NFL looking into this or anything like that, but they lose Adrian Peterson for any length of time. I, I don't know how Washington recovers from any of that. And so Washington's future is uncertain. I'm still not a real believer in Dallas, although I got to tell you, BLG, watching that offense now with Amari Cooper in there, that looks like a different offense at the moment. They actually have a receiver who can stretch the field. Quite interesting, by the way, that, Dallas has been able to figure out a way to implement Amari Cooper as mm. the Eagles coaching staff has struggled to figure out a way to use Golden Tate. Yeah. Oh, my God. I, just, I can't get over how bad that quote is still. It's so horrible. <laughs> it, you can't live that down. Again, it's just really, to me, it is just micro saying that I am not good at my job. <laughs> yeah. But not like on purpose. Like He obviously isn't trying to say that. But it's to me, it's what he's saying. <laughs> it's what yeah. he's saying. So, yeah, you know, my job is hard, basically. and. Not really good at it, uh, clearly. Making the football players play really good <laughs> is hard. Uh, so that's really frustrating. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, and obviously, uh, speaking of frustrating, uh, same feeling watching the Cowboys play better here on offense. Uh, you know, obviously, Amari Cooper is helping. Um, I just hate still that Dak Prescott gets a lot of like hype all of a sudden because the Cowboys are winning. Like to me, like he's just checking down the field the whole game. Like, it's not really like, oh my, like, it's not this magical thing. It's not this, like, this is an elite quarterback we're watching right here. This is a quarterback who is what he is. He is a game manager. He, if you give him a, a very elite running game, which the Cowboys have, then he's going to be able to dink and dunk and ultimately avoid the turnovers uh, and help the team win. He's, He's got a great defense backing him up too, yeah. forcing turnovers, yes. giving him short fields, which is something Carson Wentz has not had the benefit exactly. of this year. Give Carson Wentz that. <laughs> yeah. Like if he had that, he'd be doing a lot more with it, in my opinion. Um, and and that's cer- something certainly that they're lacking. Again, only seven takeaways in ten games. It's really bad. Um, it's inconceivable. And then the inconceivable, as you would say, and then <laughs> that's the. Right. Um, uh, the lack of running game. I mean, that's always been a pet peeve for me, as you know. Uh, yeah. Going back to just you know the draft a couple years ago and not getting a running back and really just wanting him, and now you're seeing that. Like we're seeing that they have no real running threat. I mean, Josh Adams is the best thing they have going for them, and that's just not good. And you know, credit to Josh Adams, he's played well in a small sample size. That's we, we must note that. Like he, it's not like he has this huge track record all of a sudden, and even still, yep. like. I just think he's a limited player. And that's not me like hating on Josh Adams. I like Josh Adams. I'm excited to see what he can do with more touches. But I mean, let's be real. Like he doesn't have this track record of being a, a big receiving threat. I know he had three catches for 19 receptions against the saints, but like, okay, that's fine. Uh, and it's like I, it, the eye test doesn't seem to be, be there with him in the sense of like, you're not riding this guy 20 carries a game. Like he's not, I, I just don't see him suddenly like emerging into this feature back. It would be great. I mean, I'm happy to be wrong about that, but I just, I don't see that. I mean, he had to leave the Saints game at some point because he's still dealing with that foot issue that's been bothering him apparently since like he's been drafted. He had to get that wrapped up again. So I don't know. Um, But just looking at these other teams who can rely on the run game and get into some of these manageable situations, you know, like where it's third and four or third and two instead of third and nine all the time. And 
and you know they're running on first down all of a sudden it's just second and 10 and it's just there's no running threat at all like teams are just not scared of the run at all like that's frustrating and well you know you know what i you know what i noticed to, when i wrote my piece about the running game last week was yeah it was not the first down rushing that was the problem you compare the first down rushing from last year and this year on the average yards per attempt it's it's virtually the same it's the second down rushing yeah. attempts the 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 rush the running game on second down has been far worse this year and that's what's really put this team into longer third down opportunities the the running game on second down has has not been productive and i don't know what the purpose for that would be whether it's just play design whether it's just the offense the offensive line not healthy enough to string together two good offensive running plays in a row. Well, I, I don't know what it is. It's challenging to run the ball. It's very down. challenging. It's, cha- yeah. it's challenging. Jeez. Oh man, that's that's his for who for what, man. That's, oh yeah. he's, he's not coming back from that. Nope. Um, it's probably not golly, coming back what? at all. But yeah. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> very true. Well, listen, this is a uh, this is a division that is still up for grabs, and and the Cowboys by all means are not perfect and they have it they have the saints next week so i mean you're looking at a you're looking at a cowboys team that's likely going to be six and six uh after next week no matter how good they're playing right now but give them credit three game winning streak right now against um the eagles against the falcons and now against washington those are those are three games that they had to win in order to get themselves back into it and as bad as they looked before they are playing much better football now and right now they have to be the favorites to win the division here at the moment so um, obviously a lot of football left to shake out here in the NFC East. Let's look ahead to the Giants game a little bit here on Sunday BLG and take a quick look at the injury report. Mm. And one of the big reasons why you don't feel good about this game, I would feel a lot better if the secondary had at least one of the four players that you thought would get regular playing time this season healthy. All four of their top cornerbacks missed practice on Thursday. Jalen Mills, Sidney Jones, Russell Douglas, and Avante Maddox all did not practice if one or any of the if none of those guys are able to go on Sunday the Eagles will have a cornerback trio of Chandon Sullivan <laughs> Devontae Bosby and Cravon LeBlanc yes as their cornerbacks none Great. of whom was on this team's roster yep. as of week seven BLG and I know Eli Manning sucks but even Eli Manning can beat that trio that's just depressing man like that's it makes me sad that's bad luck and I think uh um, I forget where I heard it, so this is really bad sourcing here. But someone was talking <laughs> about how the it's not just about like how the Eagles got hurt, but it's like where they got hurt this year. Right. And that like right. last year, yeah, they had some high profile injuries, Jordan Hicks, Carson Wentz, obviously, Darren Sproles, Jason Peters. But it's not like they lost, you know, like five guys at one position. And <laughs> that's what literally the yeah. Eagles are the Eagles right now are without their top five cornerbacks. Ronald Darby's on IR. Jalen Mills is probably not playing this week. Sidney Jones is not playing this week. Uh, and maybe Rizal Douglas or Avante Maddox, one of those maybe might play, but they haven't practiced on Wednesday and Thursday, and usually that's not a good sign. We'll see on the Friday injury report. Maybe there's some kind of hope. But even if they play, I mean, how long are they even going to be able to last? Like, it doesn't seem like they're healthy. Like, they could easily get hurt again or maybe, you know, on game day before they're working out before the game. It's kind of like, they're going through their pregame workout and it's kind of like a no-go because they they can't, you know, they can't do it. Like they're just not healthy enough. So uh, really tough spot. I mean, what do you even do if, if one of those three guys who are able to play gets hurt? Like, I don't even know. Like uh, <laughs> they're just you throw a wide receiver at corner. I mean, you might have to see that. Yeah. Like you're going to yeah. see some Troy Brown stuff here. I mean, maybe put Golden Tate in there. That's a good way to get him involved. <laughs> uh, see if he yeah. can maybe cover the slot. I don't know. 
But uh, yeah, it's. I mean, the, the Patriots used to do that with Julian Edelman, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So, I mean, crazier things have happened. Um, I would at least make this season a little bit more fun, I guess. But yeah, it's bad. <laughs> it's bad. And, and when you add in the fact that, you know, Rodney McLeod's out too, like you're just missing so much of your secondary there. Um, and, you know, the Giants offense has shown some life recently. And I just think that they're going to be able to have some success here. I don't think New York is suddenly a juggernaut because they've won these last two games. I mean, you have to consider they beat the Nick Mullins 49ers by four points, and then they beat the Ryan Fitzpatrick, who got benched, uh, Buccaneers, yeah. by three points. And I know the Eagles lost to the Bucs, obviously, but like Fitzpatrick was clearly playing a lot better then yeah. than he was uh, against the Giants here. So, you know, not a great team by any means, the Giants. I'm not. It's not about that, but it's. It, but that's exactly what it is. Like that's to me, it's exactly how the Super Bowl was for me when I just thought like it's not about the Patriots it's just about the Eagles are the better team like that's what it's about and to me this week it's not about the Giants being bad also and you're looking at that it's like I don't even think about that part so much it's just the Eagles are so bad right now and like so in their own head and they're they're averaging 2.1 points in the first quarter this season, That's which is ridiculous. Insane. Although I will note that 14 of those 21 points in the, in the first 10 games in the first quarter came against the Giants in week 16 or week six rather. So that's encouraging maybe, um, but it's just hard to feel good about this team, man. Like I'm, I'm not even trying to be negative about it. I just, I don't see what I was saying in the kiss the yeah. other day. Like, what do you feel good about? Like, what do you feel good about right now with this team? And it's not just the blowout loss to the Saints. It's just, again, like you look at the track record, just 21 first quarter points. Like that's pathetic. And that's clearly just something beyond like bad luck and, and whatever. Like that's, that's enough of a sample to size to say there's a real issue there. It's last in the league. It's terrible. So I'm not feeling good about this one heading into Sunday, regardless of the Giants being good or bad or whatever you want to label them. Well, what's been disappointing as much as the secondary, and you know, the, you, you can only do so much when you've got this many guys getting hurt, but the, the way you can take some pressure off of the secondary, Sullivan and Bosby and LeBlanc, is by having your defensive line get consistent pressure. And what we haven't seen is the defensive line do that. Now, they're getting Timmy Jernigan back this week, mm-hmm. BLG, and I don't know how much that's going to help because he hasn't played at all this year, but he's been in practice for the last couple of weeks. And what we've seen is that teams have taken to double and triple teaming Fletcher Cox in the middle because they haven't had to worry about whoever Fletcher Cox has been lined up next to. And we haven't seen, you know, we, we, you know, Michael Bennett has been getting consistent pressure on the quarterback, but we haven't seen consistent pressure from Brandon Graham. We haven't seen consistent pressure from Chris Long. Um, It's been, You've got some older players now on the defensive line with Derek Barnett being out for the season that the defensive line is supposed to get to the quarterback, get that push up the middle to help disrupt Eli Manning or whoever the quarterback is, get his feet moving, and then maybe force some passes that can get intercepted or knocked down or at least get the Giants or whoever it is they happen to be playing out of their rhythm. And we haven't seen the defensive line do that with any consistency over these last few weeks. And that maybe getting Timmy Timmy Jernigan back will help in that regard a little bit, a little bit more push up the middle, having to pay attention to someone else on that defensive line in the interior, maybe gets Fletcher Cox loose a little bit and a little bit more active in the run game, stopping Barkley in the backfield and, and getting some pressure on Manning. I mean, you would sure hope so. I, I don't think it's 
realistic to just expect Jernigan to come in here and play, you know, his normal workload just because that doesn't seem yeah. to be the norm for this team. They always talk about working guys in in terms of like kind of tweaking the snap count there. I don't they rarely kind of just like, "All right, you've been out of commission for a long time. Now you're back 100%." Like that doesn't really happen. So, I think he's going to be limited to some extent. And obviously, we don't kind of know where he's at uh in terms of like what what player is he going to be? Like is he going to be the guy that we kind of saw more in the first half of last season who was really good and uh, mm-hmm. impactful? Or is he going to be the guy in the second half who, you know, is kind of invisible or not necessarily terrible, but just wasn't really making much of an impact on a weekly basis. So we'll see. Uh, I, I have much confidence he's better than T.Y. McGill or, you know, Trayvon right. Hester in there. So, I mean, that's good. But, yeah, I mean, you're talking about needing the pass rush to step up. Absolutely. Uh, the Giants' offensive line is a little different than the last time the Eagles saw them. They have Jamon Brown in there now, who started, I think, I believe, 16 games with the Rams last year. You know, so like, how bad can he really be if you do that for a really good offense last year? And I also think they got Spencer Pooley, and you know, that's kind of elevated their offensive line from being a straight-up dumpster fire to at least kind of more serviceable. Yeah. It has, at the very least, it has improved. To what extent? Like, not drastically necessarily, but it is somewhat better. It's not like you have, uh, what was his name, Patrick Oma May in there, who like Fletcher Cox was just like destroying in week six. So unfortunately, Eagles don't have that going for them. But, you know, it's not just the secondary that's a big issue here. I mean, obviously, that's the point of attention when you when you have those cornerbacks that you do and you're going up against Odell Beckham and Evan Ingram now, who, again, was not active for the first game. So something to worry about. Yeah. But the running game is a really big issue this week because this run defense all of a sudden is not very good. I mean, Ezekiel Elliott went off for 151 yards and a touchdown against the Eagles in Week 10. And then Mark Ingram and Alvin Kamara combined for 174 rushing yards and two touchdowns on just 29 carries last week against the Saints. So, I mean, we saw Saquon Barkley do some big things against the Eagles defense in Week 6. When in theory, you know, they were, they were, the run defense was looking a lot better earlier on the season. It is not looking very good right now. It's looking extremely vulnerable. So with Barkley, uh, you know, being here, his presence uh, to me is just as scary as going up against OBJ. No doubt, no doubt about it. And I, the Giants definitely are, even though they're coming into Lincoln Financial Field. Uh, they definitely do feel like a scarier team at the moment. That home field advantage in Philadelphia simply has not been there over their their last three games. Uh, a couple other quick injury things to note about. Jordan Hicks did not practice on Wednesday or Thursday of this week. Uh, so I guess BLG, yeah, kind of a out. question. He's out. Okay, that's great. Yeah. It was wonderful. Awesome. Um, <laughs> I guess that means Nigel Bradham back in the middle where he excelled last year. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. I didn't think about that. I guess it would be him and probably uh, you have Kamu, and I think they rotated uh, Gary a little bit in there to split with Kamu uh, next to Bradham. So we'll see how that goes. I mean, maybe that's, I like that theory that maybe moving Bradham back to the middle, maybe you'll get a little bit more out of him because, you know, we haven't really seen him much this season and he was a lot more productive last year. Maybe it's that won't turn into anything and it's kind of just, you know, in our head. Nice yeah. to think about, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's going to, again, that's going to be something to watch because, again, the Giants, not only were they without Evan Ingram, but they were also without Rhett Ellison in that first game. So basically, they were without their top two tight ends, and their tight ends like weren't any kind of factor in the game at all. Like, he didn't even have to worry about them. Yeah. Uh, that's going to be different this time around. And, of course, Darren Sproles is still out. Stop me if you've heard that one before. 
Um, all right, let's get into some matchups here. You know, I we talked uh, we already talked about the wide receivers for the Giants going up against the secondary. Uh, we've talked about whether or not Timmy Jernigan uh, will have any will, will be any big help stopping the run or getting pressure on Eli Manning. I think um, one of the things that uh, the Giants have been doing a little bit more of over these last few weeks, BLG, is using Barkley out of the backfield as a receiver, uh, starting to use him a little bit more aside from just swing passes and stuff. They're starting to use him a little bit more up the field, which is smart. I mean, getting that guy into space, however you can do it, is really smart. And, you know, I think I just have I have memories of Tiki Barber doing that kind of stuff against this team year in and year out. And obviously, if Jordan Hicks is not in there, Nigel Bradham and the, the linebackers are going to have their hands full with Barkley out of the backfield as well as a runner. Yeah, I think this is kind of just going to have to be a shootout for the Eagles. Honestly, like, I don't, I don't see how you're <laughs> expecting to kind of lock down this Giants offense right now. Um, you're going to have to somehow find a way to, I think, match them, and that's you know not a very exciting or necessarily realistic proposition when you consider again how much this Eagles offense is struggling. For as much as we expected them to allow a lot of points last week to the Saints, I mean, to score seven points is just pathetic. Like, that yeah. Saints defense yeah. is not that good where you should only be scoring seven points. And a big reason why, you know, the Eagles offense struggled was obviously Carson Wentz, and he has mm-hmm. to be better. And it would be great to see him come out and even win or lose. I mean, obviously, you want to see him win. But win or lose, you just, like, I would love to see him go toe-to-toe because we haven't seen that a lot. You know, you saw what the Saints were talking about earlier this week uh, in that Peter King piece about how, you know, Carson Wentz has, he's what, like 1-11 in in games where the Eagles score uh, 20, or the the score is more than 26 points, I believe. Um, So basically saying that, like, he hasn't been able to win shootout. So it'd be nice to see him to kind of put the team on his back and win a shootout here. And to actually get Golden Tate incorporated into the offense would be great. So I think that's what it's going to have to be. They're kind of just going to have to somehow hope to put up points. I mean, they they clearly put up points against the Giants the last time they played them. That doesn't necessarily guarantee they'll do it again. But, you know, it kind of gives you some kind of hope that they might be able to scheme up something here. Uh, This Giants pass rush is still really bad. Like, I think I kind of just lied right there in calling it a pass rush because <laughs> they don't really rush the passer. Yeah. And uh, they're actually their second best pass rusher in terms of sacks this year. Kerry Wynn, he's going to be out for this game likely. So uh, they're even a little bit thinner there than they usually would be. So that's the thing. Like you would think that Carson isn't going to see as much pressure in this game. And hopefully he can take advantage of that and put some points up. You know, it'd be nice if it wasn't a shootout and if you could stop the Giants somehow, but I just don't see it. And I think it's going to have to be that situation. So... If that's the case, hopefully it's an entertaining game because that's another thing that's bothering the heck out of me this year. Like, this team isn't even fun to watch. Like, mm-hmm. the Giants game in week six was the only game to me that was, like, really fun. I mean, maybe you can put the Falcons game behind that because, you know, it was the opener and, you know, you had all this hope and you knew Nick Foles was going to be in there. So you, you had some kind of expectation. It could be ugly. You know, you could have a bad game. And ultimately, that was a fun result, of course, because they kind of won in the same fashion that they did earlier against the Falcons in the divisional round. But besides that, I mean, it's just it's been that Giants game and everything else has been kind of miserable. So it'd be nice to have at least some fun lately. Let's talk about Carson just just a little bit, because really, he had been playing very well 
up until these last two games. Statistically, but I mean, even you could see he was he was struggling in third downs and struggling inside the red zone. But moving the team up and down the field and in, increasing his completion percentage, increasing his yards per attempt, yards per completion. But yeah, something's missing this year. And Janoris Jenkins touched on it a little bit, talking about Wentz as a different player right now because he's not using his legs. And what's interesting is that in his first game against the Colts, really his first couple of games this year. We saw him make some plays with his legs, some escapability from Wentz for, you know, getting out of the pocket and running a little bit more. And obviously he's not doing that right now. And part of that, I would imagine, is because maybe there is some residual concern about his knee. He wants to try and stay healthy. He doesn't trust it 100 percent. He would never say that, I'm sure. But there's something missing with Carson Wentz's game right now. And we're, we're hearing more criticism of Carson over these over these last couple weeks. He's the golden boy in Philadelphia, no doubt about that. But obviously, when you play as badly as he did in New Orleans against a defense that isn't very good, and yes, the Eagles' running, the running back situation is bad. They lost Jay Ajayi, and Darren Sproles hasn't been there all year. Corey Clement, who knows what the hell has happened with him, but he doesn't have any running game to rely on that's really hurt him in a big way because that kills your play-action pass as well. I mean, most of the Eagles' play-action is RPO anyway. It's it's short stuff anyway, but you know you lose that. You you lose that. Um, a lot of their big plays last year came on play action down the field, and that's that's just not there. The big plays from Carson aren't there. Everything is little eight yard chunks and ten yard chunks, like you said, boring, mm. very boring stuff from Carson Wentz. And so I guess my I wanted to ask you why you think that is. Do you feel like he's still worried about his knee? That he's worried about uh, putting himself at risk because he had been saying all off-season long, that he wasn't going to worry about that once he got back out there. Yeah, I don't think it's him worrying about it so much as it just might be the natural effect of he's still not 100% really. You know, it still hasn't been a full year. We're approaching it, but it still hasn't officially been a full year since he first suffered those ACL and LCL injuries. And if you go by what, you know, pro football doctor, uh, I forget the guy's name, Pro, you know, at Pro Football Doc on oh, Twitter, yeah, 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 yeah. who writes for the uh, San Diego Union Tribune, a bit. and he for a long time uh, he was saying that like Wentz might be able to play, but he's not going to be a hundred percent who he was last year until possibly later in the season, and maybe it might not happen at all this season. So, kind of revisiting now that that now that we're seeing Carson Wentz where he is. Maybe you don't see it so much. Um, those physical limitations, like I don't think we've seen them drastically on display, but maybe it's more of a subtle thing that uh, is taking place here. So that I kind of think about that. I also kind of think about how he was on the injury report earlier this season, not lately, but earlier this season uh, with a back issue, which kind of caused him to be limited on practice a couple times on Wednesdays earlier in the week. So kind of you know makes me raise an eyebrow, wonder what that was all about. Um, so, yeah, uh, maybe there's some kind of thing where he's just not 100% right now. In any case, you know, injuries happen and you kind of get you have to play through them. It's the league. It's it's the National Football League, if you will. Um, uh, so, I don't know. I, it's, it's unfortunate to see Carson Wentz, you know, have these games where he's struggling like that in his third year because you would like to think that he's going to continue to make you know, incremental progress, like continue to get better and better. And you see a step back like that and you, you start to kind of worry a little bit. But I don't think anything has changed in the long-term outlook of Carson Wentz. I still think, you know, there's every reason to be excited about him. Uh, even if you kind of want to say the stats are a little bit empty, and I think there's some fairness in that. I'm not going to yeah. say they're completely empty, but like 
obviously he's posting good stats and the team isn't winning. So there's some kind of issue here. They're not scoring um, points. Yeah. But I mean, even still with that said, I mean, he's still playing better than a lot of other quarterbacks in the league. Like there's a, there are a lot of bad quarterbacks out there too. And he's better than them still at, at, at worst. I think he is a, like an average quarterback at the very worst. Like I think, mm. and more realistically, I think he's above average. So that's a good spot to be. And I think, you know, again, uh, you just hit the nail on the head. I think you get him a better running game. I think you you get hopefully some better coaching in here this off season, and then I think you have a lot of reason to be optimistic heading into next season. And of course, hopefully, uh, him being further removed from the injury. So I have every reason to be optimistic in the future. But right now, I mean, I don't know. Like I don't know uh, how I feel. Like if he's just going to suddenly bounce back. I mean, it'd be great if he he did. I think that this week is huge for that and showing that okay i had this terrible game against the saints but i can come out back here now in a big spot in a divisional game at home and have a really good game it'll be great to see that uh, especially after last week's result not just for him but the team as a whole i mean you saw malcolm jenkins comments this week about demeanor and not everyone agreed with that in the locker room but i think ultimately Malcolm, what he was trying to do there is light a fire under this team. And hopefully, you know, that works. And hopefully, you know, Carson can kind of take the reins here and play better and kind of lead this team. That's what you want to see. You want to see this team at least show like a good fight and put forward an effort that you feel good about. Because after last week's result, like that's that's not where you are at all. So they need to bounce back. And in 2016, when they lost to the Bengals real badly like that, they did bounce back. They lost at home. Uh, to Washington in that game right after that game. But the, they were in it to the end. Like, the fight looked a lot better. They looked mm-hmm. very competitive. So that's what you're hoping to see on Sunday against the Giants. And that's going to be on Doug if that happens. You'll, you'll yes. be able to see. I think that's on the coaching step to get this team ready to play. And, you know, that locker room, sure, it's we heard a lot about chemistry this week by the Eagles, that the chemistry isn't there. You know what, listen, if this team is 6-4 and four instead of 4-6, and six, you're not hearing stuff about chemistry. That, that's just chemistry is a product of winning. The reason that team looked like they had such great chemistry last year is they did have a bunch of good guys who cared about each other and were supporting each other. But I think they also knew when they got on that run, they were up to something special. And every game seemed like a party with all the celebrations and the dancing and uh, the, the gimmicks after touchdowns. We, I think that we've seen one touchdown celebration this year from this team. You know, I think we've seen one. It was like, well, it was, we saw uh, the ones in the Cowboys game, which were like misplaced. It was like, no, don't do that. Yeah, You're... right. Exactly. But that's that's because it has felt misplaced. They, they yeah. haven't gotten off to early leads. And, you know, talking about Wentz with the shootouts, you think back to last year, I think the one game where he did perform great in a shootout was the Rams game in Los Angeles where, where he yeah. got hurt. I mean, he led the he four touchdowns in that game on his fourth touchdown is the one where he, he got his knee blown out or the play after he got his knee blown out and then and then didn't play again un, until this season. And I think that was part of the maturation process you were seeing from him last year, that he was able to do that against a really good football team. He was matching them touchdown for touchdown and point for point. He hasn't been able to do that since then because for whatever reason, he hasn't had the same kind of running game that he did last year. And you're right. He probably is still hurt still recovering from his knee injury a little bit. I'll feel, I, I think we'll get a lot better of an indication about Carson Wentz next year after he's had a full off season where he's not rehabbing. And I think Agreed. people don't take that into consideration. He Is he healthy enough to play right now? Yes. But when there's a big difference between spending the off season rehabbing and preparing for the season like you ordinarily would, uh, 
I, I will say that it does feel as though we came into this season viewing Carson Wentz as an elite quarterback, and I don't think that we can say that right now about him. There are some there are some holes in his game, and he's also hamstrung by some of the issues going on with the team as well. There's that's the thing that's tough about this team right now. BLG is it's really hard to pin down any one thing that's a problem. It's it's everything. Yes, that is a big issue. Um, and talking about some of the other top quarterbacks, though, I mean, like you can say you you'll take you know Goff and Mahomes over him, and that's it's fine. It's fair, uh, but I would kind of know. disagree about Goff. I would say Mahomes, yes, but like. Also, look at their coaching and look at their – and be, even beyond that, look at their weapons. I mean, come on. Like Kareem yeah. Hunt and and uh, Todd Gurley. I mean, the Rams, a big reason why they have success, like or at least a lot of the plays they have success on, is play action. Like you, yep. you were saying yep. earlier, like the Eagles, like are you kidding me? Like what are they going to – like no one is going to respect play action from the Eagles. Like <laughs> – <laughs> You're going to be worried it's about not even like, on tape. <laughs> yeah, like, come on. Like, they have no threat of that at all. And even besides that, I mean, you you have Tyree Kill, who's like the fastest player in the NFL. That's mm-hmm. great to have. Or Brandon Cooks on the Rams. Like, these guys have explosive playmakers. And that's been something we've been talking about all year. Like, the Eagles just don't have any kind of – there's no one who can make a play on either side of the ball, really. Right. Issue. Like, there's no one who is just going like, to get a turnover for you on defense. There's no one who is going to just break out a huge touchdown play on offense. That's that's a huge issue. This team in the offseason, and we'll have plenty of time to talk about it, of course, but right yeah. now, just looking ahead early on, like, that's something they need to get better at, like team speed slash explosiveness, because they just don't have that element, and that's that's part of what makes them boring. They had that last year with Torrey Smith, and they tried to replace Smith with Mike Wallace, and that obviously hasn't worked out. Um, missing that speed guy on the outside, you know, they get Golden Tate thinking he's going to provide the explosive plays on the yards after the catch, but again, they just have not been able to figure out a way to get what is now appearing to be a redundant piece into an offense that really already has the middle of the field well taken care of. It's the outside of the field that they needed some help or in the backfield, or on the defensive side, or whatever. Um, you know, we'll be talking about the Tate trade for the rest of the season, and it'll be interesting to see. What I mean, do you think he's back next year, BLG? I mean, obviously they have Aguilar signed to the to the fifth year deal, but they could, which get is rid unguaranteed. Of, yeah, right. Um, they could get rid of Aguilar if they wanted to, and and go with Tate. I mean, it's. I I think that I think that Tate is a guy. Even if the Eagles are out of it, it'll be important to see whether or not they're able to figure out a way to use him here in these last few games, because I think that could determine whether or not they decide to keep him or make an attempt to keep him next year. Or on the flip side, if he wants to stay. <laughs> that do too. I, do I feel like, you know, if I'm going to Tate, do I feel like this coaching staff even knows how to use me? I mean, that right. seems like a big factor in wanting to re-sign at the team. So right. I, I don't think it's impossible. I wouldn't say it's impossible, especially because I don't know if Nelson Aguilar is going to be back. I think we need to have more of a talk about him, really, because yeah. and we can do it right now. Is the... Like, is Nelson Aguilar actually good? Like, are we sure he's really good? Because when you look at, you know, his body of work now, it's two really, really, really awful seasons where he was, like, literally the worst receiver in the league in terms of, like, objectively, like, by football outsiders metrics, by pro football focuses metrics, both alike. And he had a really good year last year, very encouraging. I thought he was going to take another step forward this year because he looked awesome in training camp. Maybe that was in part because the Eagles cornerbacks aren't very good. But even still, I just thought he looked better than like all the other receivers, clearly. Um, speed, especially, down the field. So maybe it's the Eagles are struggling to use Nelson Aguilar as well as Golden Tate in terms of usage. Maybe that's it. 
but I don't know. Like, I just, I kind of wonder too, if it's just like, if he was kind of a one year wonder to some extent, especially, you know, with this contract coming up, like, what are you betting on there? Like, are you betting on that one good year? Or are you betting on the two years where he's really bad? And then this other one where you kind of can't really figure out what it was. It certainly wasn't good. Uh, so that's kind of, that's a big thing they're going to have to figure out. Uh, but going forward the rest of the season, it would sure be nice to see Nelson Aguilar show up because you were just talking about Torrey Smith there, John. I mean, I think, and like you look to the guys who aren't, aren't here anymore for, you know, that the change, but it's part of it is this, the guys who were here. Like you're not getting 2017 Nelson Aguilar this year. And to have that guy would make a big difference on this team right now, but you yeah. don't have him. So uh, I don't know what the issue is there. I think that's a lot of the problems with this team. Like <laughs> we keep coming back to it, right? Like you just said it. Like there's so many issues. That's uh, not one thing. There's just like mysteries with this team. Like Corey Clement, just like wh- how is he being so bad this year? Like for it's not even like we necessarily expected him to be a superstar coming into this season. But you thought he had at least be like a solid role player, and he can't even be that. Like he's he invisible. Can't, he can't give you anything nothing. other than like that kickoff return. But on offense, like he's given you nothing. Like what is that? And then Nelson Aguilar goes from having this 2017 productive season. Looks like he's turned around. And all of a sudden this year, like he's not reliable. And it's just that's that's so, it's so weird about this year. Like there's just these mysteries with this team. And kind of the frustrating thing to follow along with and even cover this team, it's like, Sometimes I don't even know what to write about because it's just like, what's going on? Like, what is, there's nothing like to even, like, you can't even just figure it out. It just seems like there's a billion issues and everything's going in different directions. And it's just kind of a mess, really. You know, we, we talked at the beginning of the season about the Super Bowl hangover and dismissing the Super Bowl hangover. But that's what this feels like, BLG. Yeah. It, 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 this team never, never moved on from 2017 and, and a lot of it was because of injury they didn't have Carson and Alshon to start the season so you're just kind of you, you didn't really even feel the season got started until Carson came back and then he didn't have Alshon until the week after he came back but at that point now you're starting to lose your running backs and you're starting to get other guys dinged up and now you're starting to lose guys on the defense and it just the the season never really felt like to me that it ever even as a fan it didn't really feel like the season ever got started you know everybody fans alike were were still kind of high on the super bowl and it just didn't feel like especially offensively they have enough pieces on offense right now that they should be scoring points blj they they should be scoring in and, theory, right? Yeah, they should be scoring, and they're, and they're just not. And, you know, you can say they're missing guys like Blunt, who had a, a good day on Thanksgiving, 88 yards and two touchdowns on 19 carries for the Lions. He's been kind of not too productive all year. But, today, but yeah. Yeah, so <laughs> I'm not going to just point to one game and say they should have kept right. Blunt. But, you know, at the end of the day, there is something missing from this group, and it's going to be on Doug Peterson and – I got to imagine a new offensive coordinator at the end of the season to kind of figure out what the heck is going on. And hopefully they'll look outside as you and Michael Kiss talked about mm. a couple of days ago on, uh, on uh, BGN episode 22, uh, looking outside the organization maybe for uh, their next offensive coordinator hire. Um, well, we'll get into our picks for the Eagles and Giants coming up here in just a second. But as we do every week, BLG, uh, let's run down a couple of uh, games from around the NFL. We'll give a, a picks on three different games. Obviously, we don't have any, any, any of the NFC East games to go over because Dallas and Washington played on Thanksgiving and the Eagles and Giants are the other two NFC East teams. So I picked three at random here. Let's go through Seattle at Carolina. 
the Panthers are three-point favorites in this one. Um, what do you what do you think about the Seahawks uh, going down to Carolina to take on Cam Newton and the Panthers? I like the Seahawks. Uh, I I think they uh, they're solid. They're I think they're um, they're pretty good in. I had it here and now I lost it. So. Um, <laughs> so this is me stalling. I'm just no, I got. Well, this, so. I'll jump in here. I, okay, I mean, I'm, and I'll let you. I'll let you finish up. I, I I'll ring the bell on you. I'll take. Uh, I'll take Carolina at home. <laughs> I didn't even get to my explanation. They're ringing the bell. <laughs> um, here's what I'll say real quick. Uh, they're right, eighth in right. DVOA and eleventh in point differential. So I think they're a solid team. I think they're good. And I don't know. I just always feel like the Panthers are kind of frauds, and it seemed like they were going to prove me wrong with that. With this, you know, this good start to this year. But then they've kind of slipped back and they just lost to the Lions. So uh, they're playing at home, which kind of makes me worry. And if I was deciding to bet in this game, I just wouldn't because of yeah, that I'd factor. Stay I'd stay mm-hmm. away. But since we are making the pick, I will take the Seahawks. Now I'll ring the bell. And <laughs> I, I just, I, I think, uh, I, obviously, as Cam Newton goes, so go the Panthers. And Seattle, to me, is not the same team on the road as they are at home. And it's fair. I, I, I don't have obviously a real strong feeling about this game one way or the other, but I'll take Carolina at home uh, as the three-point favorite. Uh, Green Bay at Minnesota here. This is an interesting game, too. You've got you've got the Vikings who, again, I, I as you know, I, I'm a Kirk <laughs> Cousins guy, but he the, this is what this is what you see with, with a Kirk teams. Cousins-led team. He doesn't beat good teams, and it's an uneven performance leading to an uneven team, and I think that's what we've seen from Minnesota this year. They're an uneven ball club. They should be better than they are right now, to be honest. And, you know, I, I still I think Green Bay is uneven as well, though. I, yeah. Aaron Rodgers has kind of been all over the place, too. And four points for Minnesota here. I keep every week I keep taking Green Bay in these in these situations because I keep thinking Aaron Rodgers is going to perform well, whether it's on the road or at home. I'm just going to go with Minnesota here. I, I'm, I'm done. I'm tired of taking Green Bay to um you know, to come through in these kinds of situations. I think Minnesota is a tough place to play. Green Bay is not a juggernaut. I'll, I'll take the Vikings here at BLG. I'm going to ring the bell. Uh, All right. Although I will say to your point about Aaron Rodgers, in the last 35 starts for Aaron Rodgers, the Packers are 18, 16, and 1. So they're one game above 500 there. (laughs) Mike McCarthy. Yeah, that's a lot of it. He's got to go. Um, That's terrible. So anyway... Uh, I'm gonna bet on the better quarterback, of course. Here, yeah, uh, and that's what it'll be. Uh, when these two teams played earlier this year, which doesn't mean everything, it was early in the season, but still, uh, the Packers clearly should have won that game. They got hosed, so I think they're kind of gonna want their revenge here. I think you know it's getting into the stretch run. If we're gonna see some kind of vintage Rodgers performance, you would think it's now, like when this team really has to step up, especially with. Uh, you know, the Bears kind of starting to run away with the North there. Like the pressure's on the Packers to step up here. And I think they will. Uh, I just, I'm not really a big believer in Kirk Cousins, obviously. And this <laughs> Minnesota team as a whole. And neither are the fans. Uh, over at Daily Norseman, there's already some kind of calls for Mike Zimmer to be on the hot seat. So, wow, uh, yeah, that's going on over there. All right. Well, ne- neither neither uh, fan base is thrilled with their head coach then, I guess. No. Um and then finally, uh, you know, again, this is the Monday night game. This is not a stellar game. Monday, you know, listen, the ESPN folks had a, a real nice night with Kansas City and L.A., so they get now they get Tennessee at Houston, uh, which does not exactly scream star power here. But Tennessee has uh, 
been able to take it to NFC East teams this year and not to a whole lot of other folks. And Houston's on a roll. I mean, we keep saying Houston's not a very good football team and they keep winning. Six and a half is a big line, BLG. What do you think? Barely. They barely keep winning. They they beat Washington <laughs> by two points. Washington, who obviously had lost Alex Smith, uh, had a backup come into the game. And they, they won again on a last-second field goal that was missed. Like, this team wins by the skin of their teeth every week. And to their credit, they're winning. They're obviously at least kind of like an average team. They're not a flat-out terrible team like they were looking like earlier in the year when they started out 0-3. But like, they're not actually good. And the problem, though, either is like probably neither are the Titans. And right. honestly, I don't know what you even label Tennessee as. Like they're they're probably one of the hardest teams to figure out in the league this year. Like they have some really quality wins. Uh, that win in Dallas, you know, is looking good. They beat the Eagles, obviously, uh, coming from behind and and going into overtime there. Um, you know, they just they blew out the Patriots <laughs> the week before. Right. Uh, they laid a stinker. Uh, so I don't know. I don't know what to make of that team right now, but, um, hmm. I just don't think like the Texans are six and a half home favorites kind of good still. Like I think it's a division game. I think it could be close. I think they could easily win because this Titans team, again, just, I, I don't really know what to make of them. And this is probably another line I tried to stay away from, but since again, we are picking it, I'll just take the points and hope it's going to be a close game. Yeah, I'll take the points too, BLG. I think I think picking the Texans to win any game by six and a half or more points, you know, by seven or more is is a is a, a fool's errand. So again, it's, again, this is a game I would stay away from as well, but I, I would probably take the points too. All right, looking at Eagles versus Giants, BLG. The Eagles are favored by six points at home against Eli Manning and the Giants, and we've laid out all the different reasons why we don't feel good about about this game uh we the giants are not good right now the eagles are not good what say you it is insane that they are favored <laughs> by six are you kidding me how why why the eagles shouldn't be favored by six points against any team in the league right now any like maybe the raiders maybe the cardinals maybe the 49ers but probably even not honestly like why how again this is a team that like is just not getting off the fast starts on offense. So they're 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 starting off slower than anyone in the league. Obviously, the first quarter yeah. scoring. So like they're always playing from behind. Uh, like how could you? How? Why? <laughs> how was this team? <laughs> how was this team favored? And by, in some places, it's as much as seven. I'm seeing here. So that's oh, just man. that's crazy to me. Um, even if you think the Eagles are going to win this game, which is fair. I think it's a fair thing to think that. But like. You're you're so confident that you think they can win by six points. Uh, I don't see that. So I am definitely taking the Giant. And again, I have seen it plus seven. So if you can get Giants plus seven here, I mean, come on, that's a no brainer to me. Uh, a one possession game like that. But yeah, I mean, the Eagles rank 23rd in DVOA and 20th in point differential. The uh, the Giants aren't that far off. The Giants are actually better in DVOA at 21st, and they are lower in point differential at 26. So. Like I don't think the Giants are really good, but again, it, it doesn't really that's not that doesn't really go into the equation for me. It's not about that. Like the Eagles are just bad right now, and until they prove me wrong, I just don't see how they deserve my faith. So I am taking the Giants to win this game outright. But I will uh, say the score is twenty four to twenty. Oh boy, um, I am not going to take the Eagles to cover a six point spread by any stretch of the imagination either, but. Uh, I, I I feel like the Eagles have 
another good performance in them here somewhere. Coming back home, I feel like this team has a lot of veterans. I feel like this team is understanding their season is on the line here. And I guess I still feel like there's some residual... There's some there's some residual 2017 aura in this squad somewhere. I think Carson Wentz isn't going to have two really bad games in a row. I think Carson's going to come out and play better. I think you're going to see the Eagles really rely on the run more in this game. I think you're going to see Josh Adams get a real run here oh, in baby. this game. I do. I think you're going to see 15 to 20 carries for Josh Adams in this game. I think you're going to see the Eagles try and control the ball because they know that their secondary is incredibly weak, and they just want to keep the ball out of Eli Manning's hands, more accurately, out of Odell Beckham Jr.'s hands. And so I think this is going to be a ball control game where the Eagles try to run the ball a lot. I think they'll have some success running the football against the Giants. I think Carson Wentz will make enough plays. I think this comes down to a field goal late. I like the Eagles to win 23-20, to BLG. Okay. Any final thoughts for this week, my friend? Uh, as always iTunes, ratings, reviewing, subscribings, all of those things. Uh, very good stuff. Make sure you continue to do that. We are at 552 ratings, so that's awesome. We are at 214 reviews, so that's yes. a difference of about 240 uh, rate, ratings compared to reviews there. So, come on, let's get some more reviews in here. It doesn't have to be a paragraph. If you, you, know, you can sum up what you do like, what you don't like about the podcast in a sentence, put it in there, make it Tell funny. Brandon, Mike, and... Tell Brandon, Mike, and Ben how much you like them. That yes. seems to be the general well, sense well, of John how these things too. go. Of course, there's some for John because we, we need <laughs> nah, that in there. That's all right. <laughs> as long as I'm not screwing things up, I'm fine. Well, that's that's good. But um, uh, leave some funny ones too because apparently Kist and Sog are going to read some of your reviews. So if you want to be famous, obviously, yes. and, you know, I mean, look, your life's going to change when this your podcast review is read out loud. So oh, yeah. you definitely want to get that in. So make sure you do that. And thank you, since this is Thanksgiving, uh, I am thankful for, for you, John, for being here with me, for the audience, of course, that is listening, and Bleeding Green Nation as a whole. It's been a very good relaunch for us. Uh, we, we just hit our 100th episode overall on the feed. You know, wow. Not our 100th episode, obviously, but just yeah. on the feed itself just this past week. So that's really awesome. So, uh, you know, for as much as the Eagles are disappointing and frustrating, <laughs> and that sucks, uh, hopefully we can help like that's what we're here for i think we kind of at least i kind of need to remind myself that like we're in this together eagles fans like mm -hmm. they're losing it sucks but you don't have to be alone in it and you don't have to like be embarrassed and like you're just like depressed and like, like it's it's okay like it sucks but it's okay because at least we have each other so that's my message to you and as always again thank you for listening Absolutely. And uh, and I am thankful to this podcast and BleedingGreenNation.com and to you for inviting me along for the ride this year, BLG. I'm having a blast. And even though the team's not doing great, it is it's awesome to be to be hosting a podcast with you, my friend. It's 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 been it's been great and looking forward to the rest of the season, even if it isn't a great season on the field anyway. Yes. <laughs> but that'll do it for this edition of BGN Radio, episode number 23. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll talk to you all next time right here on BGN Radio. Hello, I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation, and I want to tell you about my new show, It Seemed Smart. 
It Seems Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seem smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain. Or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission. Or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.